The following is a conversation. It has the features of any conversation, such as imperfectly expressed thoughts, ill-considered opinions, and the notions of several sleep-deprived brains. Try not to get your stethoscope in a twist about it. Yeah, that's, a, that's a big deal. That's high yield. I forget no, like, everything. does it too much. Like it's like so. That's high yield. Everything he says is high yield, which is a problem. I hate the term high yield in med school because it's just yield at this point. Exactly. It's like we made. You know, like the it was like the first test. They're like, there's a lot of information coming at you. Know the big picture. Don't get lost in the weeds. And then the entire exam was like the weeds. The weeds. Yeah. <laughs> Ever since then, anytime somebody's like, so what do you think we need to know? All of it. Like, literally all of it. Just every last bit. Yeah. You need to know Titan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but my favorite part is, like, I have no basis making assumptions on what's going to be on the exam, but it's almost like our form of betting. Like, oh, I'm going to hedge my bet. I think that topic's going to be on the exam. Yeah. And that is where high yield comes from. It's just <laughs> it's betting. It's just all of our different individual bets working towards a higher goal of high yield. As well as M2s and M3s. We love to throw yeah. rumors around. Yeah. I'm a PA, one of the PAs in the PA cohort would be like, you know what I heard? M3 said? <laughs> M3 said that's high yield. And they'll be like, M3 said, you know, smallpox, high yield. <laughs> be like, really? Yeah, there's seven questions on the exam. <laughs> and then people can come back from the liaison committees. They'll like come back with a list. They're like, all right, so we got nine questions of histology, 18 questions on Cipolo's birds, and then seven <laughs> questions. And everybody's just like the holy grail of like, all right, waiting for the liaison. And it's just... That was real. That was clutch last MOHD, semester. like one, mm-hmm. like when the histo questions dropped, it's like, okay, how much weight am I giving this part of the... Of the unit. how much of my life will Nathan Swales save? Yeah, Swales should just teach everything. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Statement. I love Swales so much. I feel like between the whole anatomy staff should just tr- teach everything. Where's his like office? I, I was just go, in like, England over him. break and I brought him back a bunch of those Terry's chocolate I oranges. I bought one over break, <laughs> they're yeah. delicious. And I've been meaning to give them to him, but I don't know where he is. I believe in the basement near the anatomy lab, they hide away all the good ones. It's mm. like it's one of the buildings when you're walking in the tunnel to the hospital. It's like one of those intermediate oh. buildings. I thought I knew all the tunnels that I've been here for five years. <laughs> Maybe not. That's okay. Get to know your tunnels. tunnels. Yeah, always getting you? to learn more. Do you you go to undergrad here and went right in? I did my undergrad and my master's here. So I've been Jeez. here for four years, not five. What's yeah. your master's? Public health. No way. Yeah, I was so actually thinking lectures. of you this morning during that. Yeah, all of his lectures. When he talked about the state hygienic lab, I was like, I took a class there. <laughs> yeah, it was a fun time. <laughs> Wait, because what was your research you had? Did you call labs? About? I called hospitals, hospitals all throughout the state and asked them how they deliver babies. Interesting. And They're they all like, said very carefully. <laughs> <laughs> From the bottom? I don't yeah, know. Yeah. If there was no other, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no other response. I mean, they gave the right answers, I guess. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Coat Podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews. By students, for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to the Short Coat Podcast, the show that gives you an inside look at medical school from the students drinking from that fire hose. It's a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Vettler. With me today in the SCP studio, she is the one who knocks. It's M1 Radha Vellamuri. Hello. She, pleased to be here. She volunteers as <laughs> tribute. It's M1 Amanda Litka. Hello. I'm also pleased to be here. First time. A million dollars isn't cool. You know what's cool? It's M1 Sri Nandakumar. The one and only. That and was hot. Yeah, that came right off the tongue. You merely adopted the dark. He was born in it, molded by it. He didn't see the light until he was already a man, and by then it was nothing to him but blinding. It's PA1, Connor Lizer. Why are their introductions so much was, cooler than ours? That was kind of exciting. I don't know. That was because, exciting. Because, bef- because 10 minutes ago adopted when I was writing it, I was like frantic. I feel like... I, I you could be adopted in the dark. Thank you. No <laughs> Look, this is your what your second show. Yes. Do you remember when I introduced you as the first time? Vaguely. So then, I mean, you don't care. I do. Amanda, welcome to the show. Where are you from? What I'm, were you doing before you came here? I'm from Sutherland, Iowa, which I spent six years in Boston before this. And 
people were confused about where Iowa was, and now I came back to Iowa, and people are confused where Sutherland is. So it's like you can't win. I can't win. It's like four and a half hours northwest of here, so it's still quite a hike. Uh, I am from the Boston area myself. <gasps> where? Well, I grew up on Cape Cod, actually. I love that. I'm so jealous. Big My wife is Cod. from actually from Milton, in outside of Boston. My college roommate is from Milton. Yeah. Small world. What were you doing in Boston? I spent four years undergrad at Harvard, and then I spent two years at Boston Children's Hospital as a clinical research assistant and then coordinator. Cool. So, Jeez. Great rowing team. They do. Good rowing team. Outside of all the education. <laughs> so you went to, so you grew up in Iowa. You I did. went to Boston. I did. And you came back to Iowa because. Well, one, I love the people, but a very close to, it is incredibly cheap to live here compared to literally you everywhere don't else say. in the country. <laughs> um, uh, but I do, I, I love Iowa and it's really nice not to have to fly back and forth to, yeah. to see my family. Yeah. I, we, um, our family goes back and forth all the time and it sucks. It's, it, it takes all of our disposable income to go visit. Family. It's, it's one so expensive and two, what really got me is it's two flights. It's yeah. one thing Always if it's one flight, flights. but like I was so sick of St. Louis, Chicago O'Hare, yeah. Minneapolis, St. Paul. I yeah, would there, be fine to there's never no see amount any of money. Of them again. There's no amount of money that you can pay to get a direct flight to uh, Cedar Rapids or to Moline. It's just, it's no, just not a not. thing. You so. can't even fly private. I'm pretty sure it's unbelievable getting into this state. I don't want to go on. I've griped about it since so, I got here. So, yeah, God. I mean, and so where I'm at in Iowa, I'm two hours from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and three hours from Omaha, Nebraska. So those were my two airports. So like. No That's one tough. came and visited me until after we graduated college because yeah. they were like, you're too far. Like, yeah, you're, you're, you're not only flying for eight hours, then you also have to rent a like, car. And- yeah. My parents were great. They were, I'm their only child. They were pickup crew every single time. It was incredible. I'm proud of them. Well, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you finally decided to join us, especially because I want to talk about opinions. And you may have heard the phrase, opinions are like ass in that everyone has at least one, though I'm not sure if medically that's I think true. there could be a, a separation is there a, is there we a thing where you might not a, have yeah you or you can get a, a bisection of it huh you can get two essentially just because oh, of a, a well at least one so yeah. that's correct at least yeah but what if you didn't is it possible to not to live without one anything is possible i think if you have a colostomy bag anything true. is possible if you don't have an ass they'll make one i don't know okay plastic surgery i don't know. you don't have to have one to be one though yeah. so hey well, we That's should celebrate them. Not your ask, your uh, your opinions. We should celebrate your <laughs> opinions. And I asked you to bring some hot takes about your journey thus far. Now, if you don't have one, I do have some here for you to pick randomly from and argue, even if you don't agree with it. So that's the penalty for not having come up with a med school or medicine or pre med hot take. Are you, Connor? Do you want to do you want to start us off? Yeah, I've got. Connor a, looks like he's been. I've got a hot take, and I didn't know what ruminating. I signed up for today. Honestly, I didn't know he's what we were talking about. Up. I was just like, okay, so remember, a I'm hot in. a hot take is a an almost yeah. intentional, con, uh, a t- intentional contrary opinion to yeah. it. Right. Oh, I've got one. Okay. Hot take, not as bad as people say at all. And I get a lot of flack about this. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. So I, I worked for like five or six years out of undergrad, and I worked for a startup. And then I came here, and everybody's like, God, it's so much work, and I'm always stressed. And I was like, I've slept better than I have my entire life. I get consistent. I eat when I want. All I have to do is show up and learn cool things with people who I get along with that are similar-minded. And like the busy work is minimal. Like It's nothing. And you take multiple-choice exams... It's, I honestly have had the most r- relaxing time I've had in forever. And for anybody who's like, I feel like it's ridiculous, <laughs> just wait. Just wait until you get out of the real world. I feel like yeah. Rada, especially for some reason, is like yeah, feeling attacked. Yeah, it's okay. a lot for sure, but it's like, all you got to do is set a schedule and follow it and just grind through it. But that's my hot take. It's been my hot take. Uh, look, being a member of a startup is probably insane oh it's just one of those they're like we're gonna go to the moon you're gonna make so much money like (laughs) cars women mansions like that's always like what comes out and then at the end of the day it's like but you're gonna work 100 hours we're gonna pay you absolutely nothing 
and then, then you all burn out and it. you move to private equity or hedge funds. Exactly. And I, I worked for a startup <laughs> when we owned Group Fitness Studio. So it was like, I did not have any of those technical skills at that point. So it was just like, all right, you're going to be here Saturday, right? Yeah. Okay. Sunday too. Okay. okay. Yeah. And <laughs> 5 a.m. And then you, we got a late thing. So it's going to be like 10, 1030. So it's just this consistent. Yeah, it's hard work. But at the same time, it's like, all you got to do is show up and they'll get you there. Hot take. That's fair. Anybody I else actually, want to comment on this hot take? I agree. Low key. Sri, I'm interested. Well, you went to Harvard. No, but like <laughs> I I had to manage people. And like I think that's my favorite thing about being in school is like I just have to manage myself. Like yeah. when you manage people, like someone calls in sick, you have I worked with families, so like something's always coming up with families. I worked with kids, something's always coming up with kids. And like I still want to go into pediatrics and I'm excited to go into clinicals, but like it's so nice to just have a schedule. You're responsible for yourself. Like you're not working overtime. If you are working overtime, it's just you studying in yeah. a comfortable place. And like I didn't get paid overtime. Like yeah. I just worked on the weekend. So I actually agree with you that like I don't agree that it's not that bad because it's still challenging. But like I love being back in school after having worked for two years. I was also a manager of people and yeah, it's pretty hard to do that. And also, I don't know, I suppose if I was a different person, I could maintain my empathy, but sometimes I'm like, really? You're sick? Mm. Yeah. Like, Call me with more than two coughs. Yeah. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I Lean loved in. my RAs and they would, they like didn't call in sick usually, but it's just like, especially when we were working with kids, like you get burnt out. And then it's like, as a manager, you almost feel like you have to take on them being burnt out too. And I'm like... Hey, I'm burnt out too, but there's no one that I can go to. Got to be the hype squad. Yeah, it's just like, let's keep going, guys. Let's work for basically minimum wage. And I do have to clarify, one of the PAs, uh, Michael Sevy, he goes by Sevy. He's got the best one. It's simple. It's not easy. Like, it's very hard. Everything we're doing sure. is very hard. But it's just simple in the fact of it's like, you do X, you do Y, you do Z, it'll go. And I think that's the point of it. That's a good one. Simple, not easy. I like that. I feel like I don't have the right to comment necessarily too much because I Rada, haven't had have the right. <laughs> I haven't had a full time job. See, but the thing is, and I'm going to interrupt that because 100 percent you have the right because otherwise we're all disqualified from, you know, Everything. conjecturing different opinions. <laughs> like I've never been in the Senate, but I will talk politics till the cows come home. <laughs> and it's one of those like you could still Same. like you have very much life right. experiences for what you know. I'll amend it. I have the right, but I feel maybe it's not my place as much. I don't know. It's just I have not had a full-time job. I have worked since I was 14, and I've had jobs on and off since then, mostly teaching. I worked as a TA for like four years. It was a great time. And the thing that I loved about like the working world was the monotony. <laughs> I loved not having to shove my brain with new information every day. And I know that mm -hmm. like in the working world, you still do. You still have to learn things. You have to get new skills. You have to do a bunch of things. But if I had, I didn't have to go home. I mean, when I had other classes, I had to do that. But I could like leave work at work and then I could come home and take a break. Mm -hmm. When I'm at school and I'm specifically in medical school, I feel like I go home and there's always something to study. Yeah. There's always something to learn. There's always lectures to watch. I'm perpetually behind. If you're on top of your game and you have a schedule and you're really good at figuring out like the things you need to do to succeed, then medical school might not be super difficult for you. My roommate, she's great. She's She has her strict schedule. She she leaves our apartment at 7.06 every morning, and it's like a second alarm for me. Bus. Yeah, I know. It's it's great for her. But for me, I, you know, sometimes I just need to sleep an extra hour. Sometimes I need to take a nap in the middle. It's, it's all pretty Midday much sleep-oriented. Yeah, slap, yeah. <laughs> but I don't really think that it's easy. I, I mean, I know you didn't say it's, did you say easy per se or? No, hundred percent. It's simple to follow. Very hard. Not yeah. easy, but simple. And I don't know if that sort of getting information shoved at me every day is the best for me, especially since I struggle with like memorization and things like that. I prefer getting experience on the job, which is why I'm more excited for rotations yeah. than totally. preclinicals. Oh, but for that's sure. a whole other story. And I 100% agree because I'm an idiot, like through and through. Like they let me in and they're like, I thought we said Colin, not Connor. <laughs> but it's one of those that just that like. On, your on the acceptance yeah, form, they're yeah, like, Colin. They're like, finders keepers, yours now. But <laughs> it's, yeah, 100% still one of those where it's like, 
they do make a good point that I like, get very comfortable with feeling like you're always behind. And I think it's obviously it's way different for different people to feel like that. Cause even coming back this semester, I was like, is this, am so I feeling hard. stressed? It was like, so hard. Cause you're it, like first semester you came in hot. You're like, all right, but like you got to be on. And now they lulled us. They, they caught us slipping. They're like, we're going to give you four weeks. Watch this. And then everybody <laughs> came back and it was the same thing. And it's, I think it's a hundred percent never going to be again, easy, but it's always going to be one of those like just simple stick to the plan. It, you know it's not going to go well, but that's like part of it. What do you think, Shree? Yeah, I see pros and cons to both. So before this, uh, I was actually in a different career. I worked as an engineer for a couple of years for a defense contractor. Oh. Shree's got a cool life story. Yeah. yeah. Got to hear so, that. We heard about it uh, in anatomy. <laughs> yeah. What was the contractor? It was called Collins Aerospace. Okay. They're up in Cedar Rapids, but they're through a bunch of mergers and acquisitions. They're now part of Raytheon. Of course. Raytheon owns yeah. Raytheon absolutely owns everything. Raytheon owns a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the, the company culture and stuff has changed a lot. Um, from a, you know, small local company to laser guided Raytheon. Yeah. Being part of a larger, you know, global national. Yeah. Military industrial complex. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I I will say working, you know, my friends from my old job like to point out that I work a lot more hours and I'm paying to do so versus getting paid to work less. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Shut up guys. Yeah. Hurts a little bit, (laughs) but they work for the man though. That's true, yeah. Um, so, as part of my job, a little bit, I did, you know, manage to some extent in the sense that some of my performance was measured on the success of other people, and that's incredibly hard. Yeah, when your success is measured on the performance of other people that you cannot really directly control. Yeah, like you can say, okay, I'm gonna like if I'm responsible for my own success, I put in work, I get results. I yeah. don't put in work, I don't get results. But then it's more nuanced when you're responsible for other people's performance because it's more, you can only motivate them so much to some mm. extent. Totally. At the I end of the there's day, there's very few jobs I can think of out there that is that where your success is yours and yours alone. Yeah. You're an individual provider, basically. I don't yeah. even know. Like hog in the wheel. Yeah. But you still have people who might work for you or people who, you know, contract out with like for lab services maybe, or, Something like that. I mean, I just imagine that there's always somebody you're depending upon. Yeah, at least in engineering. I mean, at least in what I worked on, there's kind of you could be a technical contributor where you're doing a lot of technical work and you get tasks and you're responsible for getting those tasks done. And a lot of it is largely individual. Mm-hmm. And then you have more of the management or, you know, technical leads or whatever who are making sure that the project is on task and then you're getting flack from above when you get behind on your schedule and why aren't you putting out stuff on the schedule that you said you would, what's Mm -hmm. going on. And so, you know, it's a lot of downward pressure, upward pressure, you know, things like that. So I guess in that sense with medical school, you're responsible for your success alone in a way. And so, you know, you figure out what works for you and you put in the work and presumably you get the results you want. I think in terms of schedule flexibility also, to some extent, medical school, I see that as a pro because, you know, you have some stuff that you're required to be on campus for, but then there's more flexibility in terms of, yeah. Every day this week. Yeah, I know. There is some flexibility on like, well, you know, do you learn better by going to class? Yeah. Do you learn better by watching it from home or watching it asynchronously? Do you learn it all? Do you learn it all? Yeah. <laughs> every last I ask myself. That's an important day. question. Who knows until two days before the exam? That's when it's usually like, actually, you've learned nothing. Yes. Yeah. That's when you lose sleep over it. But until then, fine. Stay strong. Yeah. <laughs> Any other hot takes? Is there... the, I think one of my least favorite phrases is high yield. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's on par with low hanging fruit, which yep. I think is the corporate equivalent of high yield. <laughs> Um, circle back to that one. Terms. I, I hate that term. <laughs> <laughs> I hate low hanging fruit. I hate high yield because I think it's just so subjective sometimes. And maybe I've just gotten disillusioned with the advice or rumors that I've gotten from upperclassmen because they said it would get better. And uh, in my opinion, it's gotten worse. Gotta be careful with those M2s. <laughs> they yeah. never say it gets better. They say it doesn't get better, but you get better at handling it. And sometimes that's an even worse statement. Yeah. I was like, thank you for pulling that from whatever self-help book you just finished reading. <laughs> yeah. But I'd well, like real advice. I think it's true, though. I oh. mean, from, I, I do think it is true. You you get better at digest it. You get better at taking in the information. Just because and keep, I can and keeping it in there. Like that's hard to hear, I know, because it feels like impossible sometimes. 
but you you're with practice comes more better. I think I just hate that all cliches are real. Like the older <laughs> the older I've gotten, and I'm not that old now, but I'm verging on 29, and I'm just like, ugh, like they're all real. Yeah. Well, just because oh, I can tolerate a minimal amount of poison doesn't mean I want to continue <laughs> increasing a dose of poison just to one day be like, hey. I'm immune to such and but such. But then you're a super person. And then you could talk down to your kids. Yeah. You'd There's be like, when that. I was a kid. When I was a kid, we ate lead for fun. Like, I'm not going to go around saying that. <laughs> we had lead chips. We had that conversation. E. was an appetizer yeah. on our salad. <laughs> no, I get that, though. I also feel like, though, that they're, like, maybe not, like, intentionally trying. Well, they're definitely not intentionally trying to mislead us, but, like, I genuinely think they're, like, kind of disillusioned because, like, they've blocked it out. They're, like, no, it's, like, gone yeah, like, it's like a Stockholm because I do kind of that thing. I do that like oh it wasn't that bad and then I sit and ruminate with it and I'm like oh wait it was I just like decided to not remember it that terribly in order to move on with my life it's just and a survival mechanism way. and I feel that way sometimes about the M2s I'm like it probably was terrible for you in the moment but like you experienced either better or worse so that shaded your recollection Shortcoats, if this episode is worth listening to this far, it's worth sharing. So blast us on your socials. And if you want a sticker for your trouble, send us a screenshot. Thanks. When someone tells you something is easy or hard, that's a very subjective take. And I think I've just learned to take some of those with a grain of salt. Because what's easy for someone might be hard for me or vice versa. That's a superpower in med school and PA school. Just being like, distance myself from whatever you just said. Well, I will also (laughs) say that things change from year to year. So what... The current crop of M2s experience may not be exactly the same as this crop of, or the current crop of M2s experience may not be the same as what you guys are experiencing this year exactly. So for instance, I know that some of the biochem stuff changed significantly. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> for the better, for me, I feel. For, I also agree for the better. Well, that was the goal. And, and, and yeah, and so that just means that the M2s now, if they tell you, oh, like, oh, this is so hard, or you're going to have, this is high yield maybe not so much anymore or maybe something else is high yield that you should be paying attention to so i don't know i i always yeah i'm I'm totally like take all that advice with a healthy dose of skepticism just grain of salt it's like talking to people from the east coast you know just i just (laughs) (laughs) i just got a grain of some people like people from new york oh my gosh and like yeah but with like a metric ton of grain of salt like you'll they'll be fine i mean i would agree i mean you maybe said your wife's from milton my roommate in my first year freshman roommate was from Milton and like quite possibly the most blunt person I've ever met in my entire life. And like, I've, I realized after six years out there that it's not like something I've said to people here is like East coast, West coast, like East coast appear harsh, yes, like come off harsh, but they're actually like really genuine. Yes. But then like West coast come off like really pleasant and genuine, but, but they're, they're actually not. like not nice, you know? And like, Every my experience on the East Coast was that like everybody is like there's good in everyone. They're honest. I lived in Philly for a summer they're and so they explained honest. it to me because Philly people are, you know, they're scratchy on the outside for sure. But uh they always <laughs> said they're like, you go to the Midwest, you go to Iowa and your car breaks down. And somebody pulls over like, Oh my god, I can't believe your car broke down. Can I help you? Like, are you hungry? I've got cookies, like let me bring you to my house. You break like down so in, you know, Philly or the East Coast. Like, you're an idiot. Why? Yeah, you, you should have, have got a an oil tire? change. Yeah, what are you moron. doing? You, you ditch the bottle, the road. and then they're like, get out of the way. I'm going to fix your tire and get you on your way. Like, <laughs> they're still, at the end of the day, good yeah. people. They're just rough. I don't know how we got onto this, but the, the idea of taking people with a grain of salt, and especially here with like, especially when you come out of an exam, I stopped doing that being like, how'd the exam go for you? Yeah. It, it was the worst. I remember the second exam I came out of, I failed the exam. And I saw a woman walking out. I was like, oh, yeah, how'd the exam go? She's like, easy. And I got like a 62. And she's like, how'd it go for you? I was like, crushed it. <laughs> Murdered it. Yeah, at that point, you're just like, there's no point of asking yeah. ever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No. Uh, hot right. take, though. High yield, hot take. Yep. All right. It's kind of fun, though. It could just like use it in day-to-day language. Just be like, oh, you're going to the grocery store? Yeah, it's I'm getting some high yield like yeah. yogurt or something. You know what I mean? It's just I just like it's like to- a holiday thing. I just, you know what would be high yield is if you clean the bathroom. <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> so, like, it's fun to use ironically, but when it's used, it, like, with literal purpose, you're just like, yeah, I feel what like is it's become a part of the lexicon for med students. One hundred percent. Part of me dies inside. Yeah, <laughs> and it's and it's electric when people say it sarcastically when they're like, oh yeah, that's high yield. Like you'd be at Chipotle and they're like, what would you like? And you're like, 
I don't know, fajitas? And the guy behind you is like, that was high yield. Good for you. <laughs> like, that's good. But when they're like, yes, this is going to be high yield, this entire lecture, you're like. I know guac costs extra, but. Yeah. <laughs> guac is high yield. Guac yeah. is high yield. Wow. Do you have your hot take? No, Rada, you can go first. Okay. I have one that's, I don't know if this is a hot take. It's just a, it's an opinion that I have fostered over the last few years while preparing for medical school Mm -hmm. so it's more on the pre-med process and you said that's fair game right absolutely all right i I dislike shadowing as a concept because as a concept because that means that you like dislike all of shadow (laughs) specifically for as a soft requirement to get into medical Mm. school okay because it is difficult to get those connections and make those Make it's not an appointment, but make this sure set up the sessions. But you have to know people if it's way easier if you have connections. That's just the real world, how the real world works. But well, don't you just call them like, hey, stranger? It's not necessarily, I don't know. It was, I think I only ended up getting maybe 15 hours of shadowing, and that's because I had some help through a class that I took here Mm. that put you in contact with some doctors. It's really hard to cold call and get a spot or go you usually have to go through someone if you want to shadow and then when you're there you feel like an like a useless appendage you feel like an appendix you're just there but i mean yeah that's shadowing you're not i, know, I mean you're not supposed to be like doing the surgery like that would be up. out of it i was there and i didn't i don't know i didn't get anything out of it when i was there i don't know how other people felt about their shadowing experiences i'm going to okay so i'm going to pause it yeah that the fact that you didn't get anything out of it is good news because you at least you didn't get out of it like, well, hell no, I don't want to be a doctor. Right. That's true. But I, I think that's the point of shadowing isn't to learn anything in particular other than do I want to do this? Is this what I really want to do with my life? Does when I watch that guy or girl or woman or whatever. OK, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm, I'm having a sexism moment i don't know are you having a pica issue right I, now? I, I, <laughs> he doesn't get that, that you three get that <laughs> that person didn't you know like when i watch that person i don't feel terrible about medicine as a career and that's fine people can get those opinions but i don't think that it should be as like i said a soft requirement to put it on your application mm-hmm. to get into medical school okay. i think there's other ways to get clinical experience other than shadowing here's a counter to that Actually, you go. You had okay. some yeah, coming in. Yeah. Home. Well, see, I see the point of like, you know, getting an actual feel for what the job is like. But medicine is so diverse that mm-hmm. really diverse. like you shadow a hospitalist and you're like, I hate this. But you might love radiology. Sure. But you never saw radiology. Yeah. So really, what have you gained from it? I mean. Well, that's why you shadow a bunch of different people. Look, I, I can argue shadowing. I can argue for shadowing all day because I feel like that's the party line. So maybe I'll be the. I'll argue for it, too. Oh. Everyone can just argue against me, and that's okay. I don't. No, okay. I don't think my I'm opinion, also a devil's advocate. If that makes I don't think my better. opinion will change because I didn't have the most beneficial experiences from shadowing. But I'm sure there's people who have. I shadowed, I think three, two, three different types of. Do- it was also during the pandemic. I wasn't able to get experiences in shadowing certain. I only got what was directly available to me, which is specifically doctors that either some me or someone in my family was going to for care. And I didn't get an opinion, like I wasn't able to develop an opinion on a specialty that I'm interested in or anything like that from yeah. those experiences. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know how successful you would be if like you went into it like oh, I'm going to I'm going to find my specialty during shadowing. I'm not really sure that that's. Yeah, I think it's interesting true. during like med school, like when we have our early clinical experiences, those are really useful because you can see stuff. You can actually do a little bit and you get a variety of stuff and you can figure out what is my niche, what, who are my people. But as a requirement to getting into med school, I think, I don't know, I think that there should be better ways to decide whether you like the medical environment than just standing in the corner and watching. I guess I'll have a, I guess I'll have a little bit of a different, I have, no offense, very little sympathy because for PA school, <laughs> one of our requirements. That's a, yes. that's a trend. One of it. our requirements is at the very least 2,000 hours of patient contact experience prior to coming in. shadowing. And so it's, in my eyes, it's one of those, like, it's a hoop to jump through. They're like, if you can't go out of your way to find a way to make a contact, again, hot take in, in reverse, to find a contact, to set up a couple hours to go shadow a healthcare provider, they're like, 
Do you really want to be a physician? No, but and I feel like you're saying that you're both kind of saying the same thing. I think what Rod is saying is like is shadowing utility is just, from it. Yeah, like sh- shadowing is just more useless. Like I think it's wonderful that like I honestly think there should be more requirement for some sort of not necessarily patient facing, but like working a nonprofit or something like that. So you have some experience beforehand. Like I actually think the PA rule is like wonderful. And like I feel like it enhances your experience so much more once you get here but then you outline like but then like if you make that a requirement then you out like you put out people like three who like was in private you know mm-hmm. that kind of thing but i actually think what you guys do is more meaningful than shadowing which is i think also kind of what rod is saying is like shadowing is just kind of like there but if you have work as like a medical scribe or even like rada's work as a teacher like i think there's different ways you can get to it but yeah. i agree that shadowing can be like also super not accessible especially during the pandemic especially for people from lower socioeconomic status like when i was in college it felt like everybody's dad mom grandma etc was a physician or like so they would just shadow their parents friends and then i'm a kid from rural northwest iowa that's like i don't know anyone so i'm right if if i'm on this in the podcast again you'll know accessibility is one of my things but like i think shadowing is pretty inaccessible broadly so i actually wish there was more of an emphasis on like volunteering nonprofit work as a medical scribe etc and not to like quote unquote enhance your application but kind of like pa school like no like you need to demonstrate that you want to do something in this field first i also think there's tremendous value potentially in following somebody around who's not a physician a pa an np a pharmacist you know, whatever, physical therapist, if only so that you can say, you know, I looked into these other things and while they're all, you know, worthy ways to help people in healthcare, that's not what I wanted. I decided that wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to do this thing. Anyway, I think that's the whole intention, whether, whether or not it's successful or not, you know, my, like my main argument foreshadowing is purely the idea that it's just a very porous dragnet and you say, Maybe one in a thousand individuals who shadow realize like, oh, this actually isn't for me. Yeah, the whole other 999,999 are all like, oh, this is a waste of time. Or I forget what my initial number was. But anyways, but the whole point is you want to nip that in the bud probably eight years prior to figuring that out and being like, I just went through all the med school and residency and realized like, because once you're in the track, I would be very intrigued to understand the true national attrition rate to be like, how many people are just like, well, I'm already in it. Like, I'm not going to stop med school now. I'm not going to stop residency now. I agree that it's entirely like, we're all doing all this just to catch the one in a thousand or one in 10,000. I see the different arguments for it. I'm purely being a devil's advocate because I could see the other way. But I think there has to be some more effective route to give everybody experience to be like, one, are you sure this is what you want to do? And two... Let's give you a little bit of understanding of like how things actually work. And I bet there's probably a better mechanism than just being like, all right, you live in rural Iowa. All right, so go 15 farms to your left and then take a right and then make a phone call and try to get somebody there to like give you shadowing hours. Like, I agree. That's tough. Especially if you're in a healthcare desert, you're like, what do I do? So, and I think the harder part with shadowing is that it's not formalized. Like Amanda was saying, Mm -hmm. it's all connections based. And most of the people that I encountered who were shadowing were also like, yeah, like my aunt is a physician or my grandpa is a physician or whatever. And it's all like familial and it's, it just yeah. keeps it as a like club of people who are already club. in it. I like that. Um, versus club. if you made a requirement to be a scribe or a CNA or an MA or something like that, I feel like you get all the benefits of shadowing where you get to see the clinical environment, see whether it's for you. But it's also more equitable in the sense that it's a job. You know, you meet the requirements of the job, you can apply, and you don't have to know someone. Because you can cold call 50 people and no one's going to answer you. Yeah. I think a challenge with that is that, and um, uh, Jeff, who's oh. Jeff, who's always on the podcast, would argue <laughs> this as well. This is one of his hot arguments usually. And it's just like, for med students already, and PA students as well, there's so much we have to do going into it and then going into the actual training so then on the flip side, it's like, okay, if we require everybody to get a job, all the training that goes into even being like a CNA, like I was a CNA for years and it was like a three month training process and licensure exams and all this. And then it's just like, and we need to do 50 hours of this. Then it becomes just an absolute headache. So 
I'm a big fan of if something seems ridiculous, somebody's probably already had the debate about it before and they've realized 10 reasons why that kind of ridiculous thing makes more sense than the alternatives. But I completely agree. <laughs> How do we know if that has actually happened this because is, this could, is classic med student right here you know what i this mean this is classic how do we know student. if it actually how do we know how do we know what i think the, well i think for me if do, the do four of us are just in a room we've bought into shooting the shit right now with dave and we came up with it i guarantee some very intelligent <laughs> individuals in the past hey are you saying we're not intelligent yeah i object but, but i'm saying in the past like 200 years of medical education and the education reform process in terms of uh admissions i guarantee and I could be wrong. It might be one of those. I have a like, one word response to that. Group think. Group think. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. That's hyphenated, by if the you way. Go even, <laughs> if you want to go even more like meta, we can talk about why, you know, why do they require a whole undergraduate degree in any field of your choosing before applying to become well, a doctor? Yeah, Some a countries, point. it's straight out of high school. We have a Swedish guy living us with it right now, a true Swede. They they were just he was just telling us they eat reindeer on Christmas. And I was just like, that's a stereotype I'm gonna run with. But he was saying in Sweden, he was like, Yeah, it's a direct path. Yeah. They, they don't he was like, Yeah, you guys Spain in, too. in like, yeah. England, in what? India, where my I have some extended family there who are they're like seventeen and they're thinking about, Oh yeah, I think I'm gonna apply to become a doctor. And I'm like, You're seventeen. Do you know what you want with your life? But that's what they've ingrained in us here. But out there, it's in different countries. They're just like, this is when you choose. My dad decided at 16, he's like, I'm going to become an engineer. And he went to college for engineering and became an engineer. And um, it's the same process with doctors. Yeah, it's it's true. We tend to think that because this is how we do it, you know, this is the best way to do it. But And I think that the scope of this discussion is going to change drastically if we get far into that, because I agree, it's like okay. our healthcare system as a whole is just defunct. So I'd be for scrapping it, restarting and seeing what happens there. But I think we should keep the scope to hot takes. I mean, that brings up like BSMD programs. Is that a hot take? BSMD? Yeah. Yeah, they have uh, I think it's know, pre- <laughs> Bachelor of Science to uh, MD, basically. Mm-hmm. Like- it's a six year, it's a you six to seven year program yeah. where you're committed out of high school to become a doctor. I don't Western. know if there's a PA version of that, There's, but I know Kansas City also has one. Too. There's a lot. So it's a new thing. I no, thought you were. They have it for JD too. Yeah, they're combined programs where you do your undergraduate and your, in this case, MD in six years or seven years. I heard it's hellish, but you take a bunch of prerequisites. You don't have to take the MCAT. Some require you to take the MCAT, and you. I know someone who did it, and she's currently in her second or third year of residency and she's i think 27 26 or 27 so she um, came out of high school into this she came out of high school into this and now she's already she's going to be done with her residency before she's 30 yeah wow. on the plus side you start earning earlier that's true but um, also and i bet she didn't have to do any shadowing probably <laughs> there you go <laughs> maybe in high school but i don't know i haven't talked to her in a in a hot minute since she's so busy interesting i mean nyu does a three-year accelerated md now like they're going faster and faster it feels like i mean we now do preclinical in a year and a half mm-hmm. and yeah a year and a half i mean most people say that fourth year is kind of just up in the air anyway to apply to residency because that's how it's always been done amanda yes so far you've gotten lucky and <laughs> not having a hot take but oh I do have one it okay. made me think of it yeah, I'm sure I have Thanks. I'm sure I have multiple but the one that came to the front of my mind kind of based on this is I actually think that the medical school application process is for lack of a better term completely dysfunctional <laughs> I think it's absolutely absurd and based on essentially nothing and having had to make decisions on like who gets into I know this is not the same thing but like clubs in college It can literally be as simple as like how you're feeling a certain day, like for the people that are making the decision. I think it's completely irrelevant. Why do you fill out one application that then it's also so inaccessible monetarily? The fact that it's a hundred dollars for one secondary application, because now everybody gets secondary applications for the most part. And then. Oh, that's good money. It's it good is. money. It's just a good revenue it source. It is incredible money. And I'm like, you're not even going to look at some of these kids' applications. And then also, you're there's a soft requirement to have your secondaries in within three weeks. 
if we're encouraging people to be working, shadowing, volunteering, etc., how in the F are you supposed to get all your secondaries in three weeks when you're working? Yeah, and by the way, I don't think we do that here. Um, there are secondary applications, but you only get asked to do a secondary application. Not everybody gets asked to do a secondary application. Yeah, and most not everyone. Do. Most do. Which I feel is like, a better way to go about it. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I completely agree, and I just think it's not the case, really, because they can grab money like Sri was doing with the money sign, and I think it's just really... <laughs> catch it. I think if you really look at kids who are like so, so... I did this with my college friends. You can ask any of them. They all know this. And we will. You will. They. So many of us went into medicine, and so many of us had... So like severely similar stories severely similar grades and it's just like complete crapshoot who got in where like well, that's i think that's a, a reflection of how many people want to get into medicine versus how many spots there are and i think that's the case too but i'm also just like how is the system that we're using now ensuring that people are ending up at the right spot and ensuring that people who really want to go into medicine are able to get into medicine. And mm. I think it's just like a kind of inaccessible system, especially given like that it varies from college to college or post-bac program to post-bac program, how much support you even get in it. Like then you're putting people out thousands of dollars. They don't have an advisor potentially, or companies are scamming them into paying to be advised to like edit their stuff. I just think it's kind of a messed up system. I don't like the admissions process personally. So if anybody's listening and you're applying to med school, it's going to get better and you're going to get in somewhere and whoever accepts you wants you to be in medicine. But I just think it's kind of a irrelevant and crummy process at times. Fair. What would your alternative be? I just think it needs to be more standardized. I understand that every school has its own character. Every school has its own focus, et cetera. But like, how I don't understand how it can be one centralized thing that everybody fills out, and then except it goes, Texas. I was going to say Texas, Texas, and then Texas, Texas is its own thing. Well, Texas is talking about another slip away from the union They're right now. So. Anyways, so <laughs> they have yeah, their own yeah. power grid, and, and I should they say, have say I, I have personal beef with the Texas system because oh, we all do. And my boyfriend is in Texas, and his deans were basically like, "Yeah, if your girlfriend wants to come to med school in Texas, she's going to have to come like live here because we're ninety percent in state." Yeah, what? <laughs> Anyway, girlfriend owning cowboy boots, <laughs> crazy, but it's just like, I think the fact that it goes through that very centralized standard process and then goes to an absolute, just like essentially what Dr. Cipolo was saying about how the cerebellum is just magic and I'm never going to ask you what goes on in there. That's how I feel about the admissions process. That's a match too. It, it's a That's a whole other that? story. What goes on in this process? Because all of your questions are different. Your waiting schemes must be different. Your admissions are different and like, that's fine. But like, in the end, you're all teaching us the same damn thing. Supposed to be, according to a set of curriculum. Yeah, Why it, is it that different? It, I just it, think it, in the real world, it and that wasn't meant to be a condescending in the real world, but it's like, unfortunately, in the real world, you're always going to hit a point of subjectivity. And the day where it's like, here's the standard application. Yeah, but should medicine be subjective? Probably not. I think at the end of the day, it still becomes subjective. Until we have AI running all of our diagnostic differentials, it's still going to be subjective. Don't even talk about that. I don't want to be put out of a job by AI. You won't. Not yet. Not yet. Not yeah, yet. exactly. <laughs> but I think it's... You've got a few good engineer. years left in Yes, me. practice it totally. I've, I've got one or two left in me. It's fine. <laughs> if, if Sri believes in the fact that AI won't take our jobs, I agree with him. <laughs> I think we'll be one of the last. I yeah. Hope. Radiologist, and maybe though? I'm a little biased. <laughs> <laughs> They've got like seven months, maybe. But, and again, just being annoying I'm devil's advocate. because otherwise I would cry. Yeah. yeah. It's so true. Well, you made it to the second break. You tolerate us. If you can, consider donating or buying a sticker or something. Visit theshortcoat.com and help us do stuff without having to beg a dean for money. Thanks. I think it's just the devil's advocate is it. the alternative would just be, okay, everybody fills out the same application and you really, each school does have their own mission statement. And it should be, what's our mission statement? Teach medicine, pump out doctors, pump out PAs. But I think at the end of the day, they're like, well, our school is focused on primary care because we're in Iowa and we want more individuals to go into rural medicine versus, you know, New York Presbyterian. So they're going to have a different thing with that. And then it comes down to, okay, do you strip all that away? And is there more loss than there is gain in terms of the subjectivity? And again, I'm just arguing for the sake of arguing because I agree. It's like 
we went through the same thing with the PA application. You have a centralized application. And then I spent like three grand on supplementals. Yeah. I was schools. about to ask, what is the PA app like? It's the exact same thing. So we have the general application. It's called the CASPA. And then we've got all the supplemental applications. So just thousands and thousands of dollars to schools that you may never even hear back from. You get the rejection email like nine months later. It's yeah, like, and, it, ah, and it is a crapshoot. It's like my money already. Yeah, and, and I think for PAs, each school actually has their own requirements, so it's a little bit even more fragmented. Yeah. Than, so like, I made a school, list think, of right? the 256 schools in the country, a spreadsheet, and then I went piece by piece by piece and just weeded out basically because, like Texas, Texas is annoying too because they only they're the only state in the entire country that requires a full OCHEM set. Every other state is like, yeah, like intro OCHEM, that's fine. But Texas, of course, has to be Texas. Yeah. Dude, they're so contrarian. It's <laughs> yeah. so annoying. But I guess, yeah, my just counterpoint is the fact of I think there's a lot of negative externalities to complete objectivity that will all of a sudden creep in. I mean, you talk about the idea of like right now a big issue is th- with the removal of affirmative action. Now schools are saying, OK, the only way that we're able to get a true taste of an individual is through our supplemental applications because on our main application we can't have because there are some general applications for undergrad or at least in wisconsin there was and on the main application there can't be anything about race oh trust me i know i'm an alumni interviewer yeah exactly (laughs) so i taught a lecture about it (laughs) exactly so you completely understand that and without supplemental applications giving you an opportunity to do certain things that may maybe it's an HBCU medical school maybe it's you know a school that's out west that specifically wants to bring in a certain cohort of individuals and I think that's removed when you make it completely objective or that centralized application just becomes unbearingly long just my counterpoint interesting I think we can make it all cheaper that's for damn sure yes that would be but nice but then how will the AMC people get paid that's my dream job one day. I don't give day. a crap how the, they get paid. The what pe- uh, people? The AAMC. Oh, the people yeah. People run the application. Oh, yeah. Are you I, I mean, I used to joke that's like my dream retirement job is to work for them because they make so much money off yeah. the application. I used to say that during the MCAT. I'm like, who's writing these questions? Who wakes up and says, I want to wreck some undergrad's life today with this test <laughs> question? The AAMC, the AMA. Here's a fun fact that the AMA, as well as kind of the consortium of physician specialties, gives more money to Congress than the NRA. They do more money in lobbying than, I think they're number three. The defense industry does less lobbying than than healthcare. I can't say I'm surprised. Big Pharma and then the AMA and specialty groups. I just looked it up the other day just so I could make an annoying argument to people. But <laughs> it, Big Pharma, them, and then after that, our military industrial complex. We spend... A trillion dollars a year Perfect. going into next year. in the top three. Yeah, <laughs> both, exactly. Both <laughs> well, Defense yeah, I mean, and medicine. I, I can see it because the major employer in most cities, yeah. I believe, is the hospital system. Oh. Like, if you look up statistics of like who the largest employer is in most areas, oh, yeah. it's going to be the hospital system or some kind of healthcare entity. Also, how much lobbying does the like defense, that Walmart, the defense industry actually need to do to get? Oh, when it, get, that's a very valid side. point. They're like, what do you mean? I have to show up to the dinner. I yeah, like, for I got it. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that yacht I sent you and your family for the last summer? Oh, no. I think that would be a great episode to have on the podcast. I just read, it's called An American Sickness. Jeff recommended it to me, uh-huh. and it is phenomenal. It's about basically the collapse of American medicine over the past 80 years, and then positive actions that can be taken to reroute things. And it's just like, the first half of the book, you're just white knuckle angry the whole time. And then the second half is like, okay, here's actionable things. But it just is so enlightening about all these factors that are play that do truly trickle down all the way to the fact of why is it so much of a hassle for people who want to be doctors and PAs and NPs to become that? So why is it so hard to, you know, find shadowing opportunities? Why are they all these barriers to people who want to help people? So it's a book about why we got where we are. Yeah. Cool. Hey, a lot of things in the news make me white knuckle angry nowadays. Yeah, yeah. literally all of them. <laughs> hot, uh, hot take: uh, Taylor Swift is a tool of the psyops. Oh, don't start this! <laughs> God, Vegas has already decided. If you, this is cool. <laughs> if you don't want people to descend upon you, just don't bring up Taylor Swift. Well, it's it, we love talking about it and being over the lunch hour. I wasn't a Taylor Swift fan until recently, and I forced myself over a break to like 
I listened to a couple podcasts on Taylor Swift, force. read up a little bit. I brute forced it. I still, it's not like I'm like head over heels about the music, but she is arguably the best musician and artist in the history of the United States of America based on monetary value. And I agree on the monetary value point. I don't, I mean, oh, you're, everyone you're has not their own a Swift opinion. fan. I'm not. Did I know. we talk about Taylor Swift the no. last time you were on the show? I feel like we've talked about Taylor Swift. I don't a know. Times I year. just, I'm, I have different opinions on on how I feel about like lyrics and music and melodies and stuff like that. Well, how dare you? I know. Can you imagine Contrarian. that? But I, I agree with you. But if we're talking purely from a commercial and how much of a global trending personality she is, oh, incredibly successful. Which is why the NFL immediately was like, whoa, this is the one population of viewers we've never been able to reach and now we have it in our grasp (laughs) and they'll never let them go i think it was explained to me they're gonna have to get married just for the sake of like american i know how embarrassing would it be to not you know to have this relationship peter out after all this hoopla yeah it's every other other celebrity relationship ever you know what kids (laughs) taylor travis good luck to you you know what I'm saying? I'm rooting for you. Go get him. Just kiddo. on a, I'm just, rooting for him. Just on an interpersonal, like, you know, love is love. You know, like who, you know, don't you listen fog to up the those world. Windows. Yeah. Make it happen, guys. Good luck. Make it out. Don't listen to Vivek <laughs> Ramaswamy. This is for the greater good of the world. <laughs> Vivek, geez. It's <laughs> a whole reason oh, why. We, now, now, the, now the comments are going to come. Yeah. We, we mentioned a politician. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was explained to me at what she does for women of all ages now, because I was reading an article last night and just in the fact of like the Biden campaign is trying to really bring her in because she gave an endorsement to the Biden campaign back in 2020 and yeah, back in 2020. And they're really trying to court her now because they mentioned all these individuals who've grown up with Taylor Swift are now of voting age. And that would be, she's 264 or something million followers just on Instagram. They say how much of an impact they can have. But the, for me, who also I'm like, it sounds like every song is a love song. But I had it explained to me, they're like, even if you think every song is a love song, there are generations of women who have been positively impacted and who have seen a female figure who is not over-sexualized, who is not, is seen as being held to these crazy standards in a very open and honest way where people can relate to it and say, you know, Taylor's talking about how she's expected to be this, that, and the other. It's not just and the women. I am too. There's male Swifties. The, I like to call them Mifties. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> and I also fairly likable person, you know? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. She's not Not a weirdo. I mean, no more than any other likable person, right? Like just, you know, like Beyonce, like everybody, you know, Beyonce is the queen, right? Yeah. yeah. Queen B. But also, like, her public persona to me looks a bit forbidding. Do you know what I'm saying? Whereas, like, the Taylor Swifts and the Jennifer Lawrences and... I don't know. I can't think of it. They seem like real people to me. Like, the, they're just also... Keanu famous. Reeves. Keanu Reeves. We love Keanu Yeah, Reeves. classic. <laughs> but yeah, that's... I can get on board 100% with the Taylor in terms of the positives that she's providing to literally generations of women and, as you said, men. Even if I'm like, love song. And then you've got everybody on the right who just wants to, don't let me drag on. Hi. I just think it's a, I just think it's a fun idea that that Taylor and Travis are some sort of psyop for the Biden campaign. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. I like it. I'd be like, hey, if that, I like it. If that, was, if that was a psyop, good, smart move. Good on you. Somebody, and I'm sure that probably came from an actual circumstance where there's a bunch of people meeting in a room and one of the people were like, so check this out. If we can make... Taylor Swift, and now hear me out. Yeah, get with Travis Kelsey. I like what now you put can, down. Huh? Yeah, I bet somebody at some point actually said that, and then somebody was like, "Yo, we're the CIA." That was a stupid idea. Stop. <laughs> and then somebody got like a transcript, and now Vivek Ramaswamy's like, "Yeah, but uh, you know, I'm betting on this." Like, <laughs> well, I love America. Sometimes I know, it's so it's, entertaining. It's Do I entertaining. No, no, no. Scary, it's entertaining. Bizarre. Do I love anything that's going on in society right now? Absolutely not. But I, just, I think it's entertaining. Choose to keep my head in a hole, like the groundhog. It's Groundhog's Day. I thought that oh, was that's yesterday. True. Is it? Yeah, he said winter, right? Is it, is it no second? more spring. Early no, spring. he said more winter. No, he said February third. 
Uh, it's the second. second. Isn't the second Groundhog's Day? I, I when I woke up, there were news articles about how there's going to be early the, the Groundhog early saw its shadow. It's early. Yeah, spring. yeah. I like to be like the Groundhog, only come only coming out when I'm needed. Yes. So I agree. My head's usually underground for like most of the stuff you just talked about. I just do. I know Taylor Swift exists, but nothing beyond that. <laughs> I can't Popped <find> up. <laughs> No love song, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's how <laughs> medical. Yeah, I live my life. Honestly, Ronald, that's how medical school be though. Like it's like you, the hole is just like education, and you yeah. have to stay in the hole, otherwise you will get severely behind, even more than you already are. But then yeah. you're like important family event. Oh hi, what's going on? <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, back under underground. Oh hey. And like, that's a good point. I think coming into school, I told everybody I was like. Like I swore off uh, social media. I call my mom like once every two weeks. I told everybody I was like, I'm not going to talk to you till I have a break. And it's like, what? I agree that. What do you say? <laughs> what break? Yeah. <laughs> the four weeks where they try to trick us. Yeah. What, try to catch us sleeping. But I think that is something where it's like, if you commit to that, it can work out. But it's kind of ridiculous that you have to commit to that. But are you making issues again? No. Okay. I have two inches of space where I can move. All right, Can that's we establish it. That? When the show is over, I'm replacing that cable. Thank you. Okay, I'm not going to be like I'll replace it next week. I will replace it. <laughs> I have when two, the show two is over. Okay. This is all I have. How are you supposed to have between. animated conversations? You're, you're, I, <laughs> I, don't know, like, I don't know how close we are now. I was just about to give you shit. Now it's just like podcast like, hosts procrastinate too, just like. Other people. You're so brave. Wait, with that can two I inches. also say that a reason I wanted to come on? <laughs> that was me, well, me. <laughs> number one, Fallon Jung has told me multiple times that I should come on. But I've been listening to podcasts in the new year. Yes. And it welcome. I know. It was my it's first time and it's I love time. it. It's like when I'm cooking, like anytime away from school, it's just like it's really nice. I wanted to say that when you said that about And you podcasts. can learn. My f- faculty director, and I think we should start this at CECOM. It might already start exist. Start a podcast? No, but like a list of like <laughs> recommendations. I'm a person who needs recommendations to start something. Okay. Okay. And my Dr. Van Hooklum, who is my faculty mentor, was like, yeah, anytime I'm in the car, I listen to medical podcasts. It makes me feel more connected to my field, but I'm also habit stacking. Like I'm already doing something that I have to do. I'm listening to medical podcasts. And he like was going to give us a list, but I feel like that would be cool to If you get that list, pass that along. Yeah. Because I've got a list and it's just not medical, but... Yeah. I don't know. I When I first Nothing started, I that. like... Yeah. I, do, I mean, I know that medical school can be all-encompassing. I, I think it's a good idea, though, to stick your head up once in a while, Rada. I try. Maybe. I've got three really podcasts do. for you and it'll change your life. Really? I like to listen to the 10 minute, the really short ones sure. where I feel like I get a taste of society, yep. but I not don't too get, much. I'm not, not too, too involved. Yeah. Right. NPR news. Now they do five mm-hmm. minutes every hour. Yeah. I listen I to it every consider morning. This is one of the ones that I've listened yep. to. Have you heard the, the journal? The TED Talks daily. TED Talks daily is good. Yeah. Do you know the daily? By New I've York heard Times? of it. I don't know much about it's it. It's a little bit longer though. Yeah. It's like, like 25 minutes, but it will blow. I, it's amazing. I lived alone for years with this company I work for and I just, what do you do when you're alone? You listen to podcasts. So I got into this and it just breaks down daily. Sleep. Like it Eat. doesn't put a, even a slight candle flame to the short coat podcast. There's pl- you know what? There's enough love to go around for all podcasts. <laughs> so we can hype up some podcasts. Yeah, like, listen, even on this podcast. It's like, yeah, this party's fun, but my buddy down the street's having a great, <laughs> good on you. and getting on the podcast. Sure. Are you a podcast guy? Yeah, yeah. You seem sure. like a heady guy. Um, I see you just I sitting like, there taking it in. Yeah, I, I listen to the Daily pretty regularly. Um, He's about that knowledge. Yeah, yeah, I like the Daily. I used to listen to the Journal, but it was just too much. If yeah. anybody um, needs a feel-good one, I listen to the Mel Robbins podcast. I listen to comedy podcasts. Oh, I love listening. I listen to comedy, like the specials that they have, where they're technically, it's their videos. Sure. But I, they're, they're just standing there. Right, so right, what's right, the right, point? Right. So I just listen to those. Yeah. They're so funny. Yeah. I just feel like they're good for like cooking in the car. Like I can't do multiple things when I'm like listening to it. Like even I was trying to like write out something the other day. It was like a card and I, I couldn't do it listening to someone's voice. Yeah. But like but if you're doing something that doesn't require it's, it's the, really the verbal remedial. centers of your brain, you're fine. Yeah. Like cleaning has changed. I like enjoy cleaning now because I'm like, oh, you need me mm. to clean? Like I was like, that's a bit of a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Monotonous. Uh, there was something I was going to say. Did you have a hot take for us? I don't know. Um, that was your job. Sorry. All right. Oh, well, then Ooh. we succeeded. I think you did great. Thank you. You Wonderful. did great. Uh, that's our show. Rada, Amanda, Sri, Connor, thanks for being a part of it today. You're welcome. God.
that was, <laughs> to be here. That was hot. <laughs> Thanks for having us. And what kind of garbage human would I be if I didn't thank you, Shortcuts, for making us a part of your week? If you're new and you like what you heard today, follow the show wherever fine podcasts are available, like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine, student government, and ongoing support in the writing and humanity and program. And using by Dr. Boxing Cabins. I'm Dave Butler saying, don't let the bastards get you down. Talk to you in one week. The speed. Yes. He just 2x the pen after on that one. Hi, short coats. Look, life in medical education, life in America, life in the world is often difficult. And I often wish I could help. All I have is this podcast, but. In my wildest dreams, you have the support you need to lead a life of your choosing. You deserve to be happy, healthy, and successful in whatever ways you define those words. So if you need support because you've experienced racism, discrimination, harassment, mental health crises, I want you to be able to get the help that you need. And so I'm going to put some links in the show notes to some resources that you can use. But the bottom line is that for what it's worth, I see you. I know you're out there. I wish I could do more. Maybe I can in ways that I don't understand yet or know about. But I see you, and I'm glad you're here, and other people are too. This Short Code Podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com.